Welcome to Work From The Inside Out, a podcast that highlights real-life stories, practical strategies, and best practices for transitioning your career from unhappiness and dissatisfaction to fulfillment, meaning, and joy. Now here is your host, career and executive coach, Tammy Guler loeb Hey, everybody. I am so excited to introduce my guest today, Dana DeVal. Dana was born with tenacity and advocacy in her DNA. She sharpened those skills as president and CEO of the Arts Partnership, where she consistently and successfully advocates for the enduring power and value of the arts across every facet of the community. Never one to put on the brakes, Dana has recently turned her advocacy efforts to inspiring people to pivot from failure and find joy on the other side through her blog, Extraordinary Extraordinary. She weaves stories and insights of being a young single mom, of lessons learned in her professional role, of the complexities of middle age, and most importantly of the shared journey her husband, Dr. Maz Mary, and she took joyfully restore their marriage and their lives after his near-death experience from alcoholism. They do the short, focused, weekday, daily live stream, Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD on Daily Dose's Facebook page at 8.30 a.m. A lifelong fighter both for herself and of those in her sphere, Dana's core belief is that there is always more for anyone who's willing to pursue it and she'll help you do it. Please join me in welcoming Dana DeVal. Hi, Tammy. Welcome, and thank you. Thank you for joining us from Minnesota. Uh, You know, I'm going to really blow your mind, Tammy. I'm, I'm joining you from North Dakota. Every time I talk to you, I get that mixed up. Well, it's because like 10 times as many people live in Minnesota as North Dakota, and I have the temperament of a Minnesotan. I'm on the wrong side of the river in North Dakota. I'm only six blocks from Minnesota. So I'm practically a Minnesotan. So that's why I got it mixed up. And I was a a visiting um, speaker in your class. Yes, in Minnesota. At Minnesota State College. Yes. Moorshead. Moorshead, yes. So that's why I got it mixed up. So... Where are you in North Dakota? What's the town? I'm in Fargo. Fargo. The the most well-known city in North Dakota. And yes, sometimes it is like the movie. And yes, some of us do talk like the movie. (laughs) And yes, uh, the wood chipper does live at our Convention and Visitors Bureau Center. And um, what else do people always ask me? Uh, No, I have not ever seen anyone murdered in cold blood. So, you know. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. (laughs) Because <laughs> when I went to see when I went to see that movie and I saw that that part of the movie, mm-hmm. I actually had to leave the theater. I oh, couldn't handle it. <laughs> it's a horrifying movie. I can't watch it. It's way too violent. I don't find that kind of violence funny at all. <laughs> but anyway, we're not here to talk about that, even though the movie is part of the arts. We are here to talk about you, 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 and take us back. Work from the inside out. We talk about people's lives, their careers, how they started out, 
some of the twists, the turns, the pivots, the decisions they made over the years of their um, working lives and how they landed where they are now. I know that you love what you're doing now. And I know you've done a lot of other things before you arrived here. So take us back to an earlier time and, and tell us how some of those things were formative and how they shaped where you are now. Well, you know, Tammy, it's uh, interesting because I am, I am at a 25-year precipice, actually, which is astonishing to me. 25 years sounds like a really long time. And it happened in the blink of an eye. So 25 years ago, I was um, three weeks away from delivering an unplanned child mm. um, and was really in the depths of despair. I had just graduated the previous May from college with a theater degree. My full intention was to go be a movie star. I mean, just there was no question in my mind that I was off to be a movie star. And um, instead, I found myself pregnant and ended up back in North Dakota. Um, so when I realized that I was going to be a mom um, and that there was no real way to ask this little person, whoever she or he was going to be, to come to Los Angeles with me and make that work, then I had to figure out, well, how do I survive this? Because it felt unsurvivable. Mm. Um, and so my only goal at that point then became to keep the two of us above water, but never have a full-time job. So that like if Steven Spielberg happened upon Fargo, North Dakota and met me and said, you know, Dana, funny thing, I have a role for you. I could just immediately go. <laughs> and, you know, I was young. I, I, um, my birthday is next week. And so I was 22, 25 years ago. And uh, it didn't seem crazy to me. I mean, it seemed kind of crazy that Steven Spielberg could come to Fargo, but I thought, well, somebody could come to Fargo or I could be in an airport or, I mean, you know, you sort of make funny mental deals with yourself when you thought you were going down one path and then you are really devastatingly found to be going in the complete opposite direction. So I, um, I never had a full-time job until I was uh, 30, uh, 37 years old. Wow. I successfully, and your listening audience can't see me putting that in air quotes, but I successfully kept Quinn and me going on super weird part-time cobbled together work, um, some of which included acting. Uh -huh. I got an agent in Fargo. I got an agent in Minneapolis. I became a SAG union member. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, for a while, kind of in my early thirties had probably a better acting career than any of my friends living in New York or Los Angeles, because of course the competition is much smaller in the Midwest because real actors moved to the coasts, particularly then this was clearly way pre-internet. Um, so I was really lucky. I, I did all kinds of commercial work, which helped to subsidize our lives. And I became a freelance writer and I was an adjunct professor because after I finished with my theater degree and had my son Quinn. Then I went back to school and got an English education certificate. And then I went on and got a master's degree in English. So I taught at the universities in town for a number of years and I just did all kinds of work. And then um, 10 and a half years ago, a woman who I really regarded, still regard 
took me out for lunch. Uh, she ran the symphony in town and said, there's a job I think you should apply for. And it was to become executive director of the arts partnership. And I uh, will, I say this all the time, but I applied because the job description in the newspaper said could be part-time. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I really needed a, a little bit more stability at this point. So I applied and boy, did I not know anything about really nonprofits or business or like I couldn't read a financial document to save my life. Um, but I had a lot of energy and I came in with this incredible level of enthusiasm and confidence because I had nothing to lose. I didn't, I didn't really know that work could be fulfilling and meaningful. And so I just sort of went in and laid it out on the table and they hired me. They decided you can't really teach enthusiasm, but you can teach business and nonprofit acumen. Yeah. So I've spent the last 10 and a half years running this organization and growing both the organization and myself in ways I just could never have imagined going into it. And it was never a part-time job. It's really like a job and a half because in addition to be being now president and CEO, I'm the development director right. and I run, you know, I mean, you do all the things right. you do. I have a very small staff. There's four and a half of us. Um, and it's a big job. Mm -hmm. So uh, what a gift it's been because it, it really was a baptism by fire uh, and continues to kind of be in so many ways. And because it was quite a small organization when I started it, um, I've really been able to fashion it in my own way. Um, and I convinced the board that I thought it was good for them to have a working artist running this organization, because I think if you're just an administrator, then how can you possibly understand the insecurities and the challenges and the pitfalls and the small joys and the epic losses of being an artist. So they agreed with me. So I've been able to do it simultaneously to all this other work all these years. So I want to, I want to go back to a couple of things you said. I, first of all, I really appreciate what you said about, you know, you can teach someone the, um, you know, the financial pieces and some of the management pieces, but you can't teach enthusiasm. Um, and you also said, uh, you said something about, I didn't quite know what it meant to be in a, in a job that really was you said meaningful. And I'm thinking, well, you'd been doing acting all those years and you had set out to become an actor. Maybe, maybe the work that you were doing as an actor up till that point was more, you know, to put, to put bread on the table. Yes. It wasn't the kind of acting you were envisioning yourself doing had right. you not gotten pregnant. Right. But you were still doing acting. So I'm, I'm guessing there was a difference between the kind of acting you were doing to make a living and the kind of acting you had envisioned yourself doing. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so maybe there was a, a different definition of what work meant to you. Uh, and, and, and I'm curious, so you're confirming that suspicion. Yes. <laughs> So, and I'm curious, you know, when you went in for the interview for this, for this job, uh, you know, I guess it's sort of like, well, I guess there was a lot you didn't know. So is, is ignorance bliss or um, did you really want the job or were you 
kind of putting on your thespian hat a little bit in that interview and sort of said, well, I'm just going to go in and see what I can do to convince these people that they should hire me. Um, Like, did you really want the job? I truly didn't really understand what work was. I mean, I I worked all those years, obviously, but I did I did things like um, I directed one act plays around in small rural schools, or I um, was a speech coach, or I adjunct taught freshman English to international students. So it was all things that were um, loosey goosey in the sense of I didn't have a lot of oversight. I didn't have a lot of responsibility outside of the show up, do this. It was like I was doing contract work all the time. So I was fulfilling contracts and then going off to the next thing. But I didn't really understand like um, that a board would be a final arbiter of decisions I might make. You know, that that I would say, well, we're going to do this. And the board would say, no, we're not. And that would be the end of it. Uh, I didn't I didn't understand that. I didn't understand um, that, you know, like I would have to work 12 months of the year with vacation time. I mean, there just was a lot of stuff I was very naive to. I come from a long line of teachers. Um, and so really, I, I was in seventh grade when I met a friend whose mother worked outside of the home. So all my friends growing up, dads were teachers and moms stayed home. So I thought everybody got June, July and August off. Um, you know, and I didn't have any idea that you could go to someone's house after school and their mom wouldn't be there. Yeah. So um, I, I just had a very uh, sort of small world view of what work meant. Got it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were all each in our own way. We grew up with a view of work and this was your view of work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mom and stayed home, dads went to work, they were teachers. Yep, teachers and coaches and that kind of thing. And then they, in the summer, you took like month-long trips in Winnebago's to visit all your relatives on the coast. You know, I just, it just, that's what I kind of thought the world did. And then, um, I mean, by the time I was 23 and having my son, I understood that work looked different. But my only goal, again, as I said, was to just be available to go star in whatever roles I was sure I was going to be cast in. And then at 37, I still had never really had a, well, you do this until 5 p.m. today, and then tomorrow morning you do it again. Yeah, I mean, it was just, I just lived a funny little life. And so So, when you were hired, you stepped into this role. It was connected to something you cared about, the arts. And it came with a salary, but it sounds like you still weren't quite clear what the parameters were. Oh, absolutely. I remember sitting at that desk the first day. So I had spent two weeks with the previous executive director and she had introduced me to the mayors and, you know, the people I needed to meet in the community. And then July 1st was my first day. And I sat down at that desk and I thought, what in the hell am I supposed to do now? I mean, I just, I had no idea, you know? So like, I think I set up my email account and I thought, okay, well that took 10 minutes. There's a lot of this day left. I mean, it, it truly, for a long time, I sort of had to play office. I just sort of had to imagine, well, if I'd been cast as an executive director, what would she do? Oh, I think she would, you know, 
she would definitely wear pencil skirts and, and like twin sets and high heels. And she would see if she can meet people for coffee and, you know, and, and it turns out that actually playing an executive director got me through enough until I started to have some actual experience under my belt. I, when I started, I would call people and I would say, I'm Dana DelVal with the Arts Partnership. Well, my name meant nothing to anyone and the organization meant nothing to anyone, despite the fact that it was a 40-year-old organization. Um, and so over time, now, now people know my name, they know the organization, and it's a very different place. I could never, 37-year-old Dana DelVal could never get hired today because I have grown this organization. I've quadrupled it. Mm. budget and staff and our reach is much more significant um but at the time it had been a, a somewhat quiet organization doing really good work and they could afford to take this kind of risk because i wasn't i i think they knew i wasn't going to run it into the ground they were there as you know carrying out their fiduciary and governance roles um and so i just i just took it on and i think actually not knowing anything in this particular instance was good. I really did have to sort of just rely on my instincts and my instincts served me well. And then I had great, great board mentorship. I mean, they really stepped in in beautiful ways. I was not on my own. Yeah. No, it sounds like you had, you had some people who had your back. Yes. And wanted me to be successful. Yeah. 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 And, and you were open to, you were open to learning. You weren't trying to, you weren't, you weren't just faking it till you made it. No, no. I was smart enough to know that it would, it behooved me to not pretend I understood how to read a profit and loss statement when I had no idea how to read a profit and loss statement. So when, and when did you, when did you realize it was a full-time job? (laughs) (laughs) Um, pretty quickly. I mean, (laughs) you know, but, but because, uh, you know, the, the best thing about a board is that a good board is invested, but hands off on the day to day. Mm -hmm. And so this board was that. So, you know, if, if I'm not at my desk at nine Oh one, there's no one there to say Dana work starts at nine. Right. I, I set my own tone and pace and I do that for my staff. So at no point has it ever really felt like, you know, here's my punch card. I've punched in and I'll right. punch out for my 15 minute break. So yes, is it a 60 plus hour a week job? Absolutely it is. But is it my 60 hours? Yes. And if I have the chance to go shoot a commercial, do I take it? I absolutely do. Even Still, now? Even now. I sh- I've shot a couple of things during COVID, which kind of surprised the heck out of me. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I care less about the the acting stuff now than I used to, in part because your your um speculation about what kind of acting was I getting to do is spot on. Mm-hmm. Nobody does commercials because they feed your deep actor soul. You know, a commercial is not Chekhov. Right. I, I wanted to do <laughs> Chekhov. And uh I've been very fortunate to do some commercials that have paid some really great bills. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for that, but it has not fed my artist artistic self all that yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. 
So you've continued with that though. It's given you the, it's so it's, you've been able to create um, sort of a, I hate to say balance because 60 hours a week is, is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I know that you've also been teaching as well. Because, I did teach this yeah. semester, which yeah. was sort of the um, straw that broke the Campbell's back. I did say to the chair of that department, do not ask me again. And I said to the chair of my board, I said, you absolutely, if I come to you and say they've offered for me to teach again, you say to me, I will fire you if you say yes. <laughs> I, I need that kind of credibility because I tend to feel like, oh, there's room on the plate. There is no more room for grading yeah. and yeah. for that work. Yeah. It's an interesting story that you tell in terms of how you have navigated your career and your your work life, let's say. And, you know, it would be certainly um, an interesting story to speculate, you know, what if you had not gotten pregnant, right? But the yep. fact is you did and you made, you made a, a series of choices around that. Um, and you made some clear choices around that in terms of going, I guess, back, I guess, so I guess Fargo is your, your, where you grew up, your home. Basically, I, I actually graduated from a high school in Minnesota, but again, 20 blocks from here. Right. So we're, we're a sister cities. Yeah. Your home, your home territory. You went back yes. to your home territory and, um, you know, had your baby and said, you know what, if I'm going to be a mother, I'm also yep. going to need to make money, but I don't want to yes. work. I don't want to have to struggle with a full-time job and a child. Yes. So you made a clear decision around part-time work. Um, those are, those are big decisions to make in your early twenties. You know, you were just a kid, right? I, I was a kid and I, I think I was a very young 22 year old as well. Um, yeah, they, they were big decisions. They didn't feel big to me at the time. And that's one of the things that I think 25 years of living life and looking back, I can look back on that girl and go, God, you are a doorknob. It's amazing. <laughs> Anything worked out. Um, but it, you know, for me, <laughs> for me, they just describe themselves as a doorknob, but that's, oh, I, I've spent a lot of my life feeling like a doorknob. Um, <laughs> for me, it was not any kind of difficult decision at all because I, I had two residing thoughts in my life. One was that if I had to work in a cubicle, literally my bones would dissolve and I would just be a puddle of skin and goop on the floor that they're just, it, that would kill me as surely as a terminal disease would. I, I just have always felt that way. And the second was that I am, I'm just going to say it and your listeners can decide what they want. I am destined for something far, far larger. I've always felt it. I've always known it. Um, it's taken really a lot longer to get there. And I'm certainly not there yet than I thought it would. Um, I mean, I think I thought I would move to Los Angeles in the fall of 1995. And by Christmas, when I came home, I would probably already have shot my first film. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was at ludicrous speed in my mind as yeah. a young woman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm clearly not at that point now, but I just, I've never questioned it. So as as devastating as a lot of that was for me. And it really was that unplanned pregnancy was truly devastating. It never shook my belief 
that I am a great big shining star and it's just, it's just a matter of getting the pieces in place to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And yet I can imagine that belief that I'm a great big shining star and that you have, um, that you have the, the ambition and the desire to make an impact, to create, uh, to show up. You've been doing that all along. You've been showing up in your life. Yes. And maybe, yes. maybe the scale and the scope hasn't been the extent to which you still, you're still striving for that. Uh-huh. But, but um, you know, I can imagine that you're at a point now in your life where you might, you, I would imagine you look at some things differently and yet you still have that fire in your belly. And yes. That's wonderful. That's wonderful that all these years, you know, that you haven't become jaded, that you, you still have that fire in your belly. And I can imagine being a parent to be able to model that for your son has got to be a wonderful thing as well, because how, where do our kids get, get their view of work? Just like you had a view. Right. Right. Yes. Yep. Um, so where do you where do you see yourself going next? Um I this is this has been an interesting time for me these last um so I guess I've been an empty nester now for 6 years which is also shocking to me. Yeah. Um but in these years particularly the last two I would say um I have really started to stop apologizing for what I want. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I used to say to people, well, I'm going to be a movie star. And I, I've said it kind of through my life. And, you know, when you live in Fargo, North Dakota, and you say that people laugh you off, like you're going to say, well, I'm going to be Michael Jordan, or, I mean, you know, there's just some things in life that people don't expect grownups to say. Yeah. Um, and so, so when the, when the acting sort of began to evolve to some other things, I found myself feeling really bashful about owning it. Mm. And then uh, I started actively blogging about a year and a half ago and doing some other pieces. And then I joined the Dory Clark or Dory, um, yeah, Dory Clark's recognized experts group, and that's where you and I met. And I, you know, I'm sort of trying to put some meat on the bones of these dreams. And, um, I, I just have decided I'm done apologizing. So what I want to be is I want to be a, um, public speaker and professional writer on a major scale, not, not local, not tri-state, not regional on a major international scale. I think that, um, all of my skill set, much of which is, uh, the stuff that that board saw in me, that energy, that enthusiasm, that, yeah. that I'll, I'll run right off the cliff. You better believe I'll run off the cliff. Is there water below? I have no idea. I'm already in air. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I will do that yeah. over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. And I will land on my feet because I know how to do it because I've had to do it. Yeah. And I don't doubt it. Yeah. Um, and now I've also got this great 10 plus years of, of actual success that I can point to, that I can put on 
paper as mm-hmm. opposed to just, well, my mom thinks I'm really great. No, right. I, I've, got, <laughs> I've got proven stuff that shows it now. Right, right, right. Um, so that that's where I'm moving. That's where I want to go. Um, you know, the first line of that credibility statement that you read at the beginning is true. I was born with tenacity. I just, I will gnaw my own leg off to get where I want to go because it's who I am. Um, and, and maybe more incredibly, I'll gnaw my own leg off to help somebody else get there too. Mm -hmm. I I am fiercely determined to bring people along with me, sometimes to my detriment. What does that mean? Um, you know, I, I will invest in people long past where most people will invest. Mm. Um, and probably my, my best example of that is my husband. So we've been together 19 years. We've been married 12. And I would say that uh, it became pretty clear to me early in our marriage. We did not live together before we got married. So uh, for the last 12 years, we've been, you know, obviously in the same house and pretty early on in our marriage, it became clear to me that he drank far more than I ever knew he drank. And I come from a family of no alcohol at all. So I, in addition to all the other things I was naive about, I was really naive about alcoholism. And, and we, we really struggled with it for years. And I, you know, pleaded and cajoled and begged and cried and screamed. And I did all the, all the tactics that I thought I could do because I believed that I could just like jog him out of this because I had no idea that you can't. And because I'm tenacious and because I was in this relationship. And I think a lot of other people would have looked at this and said, you know what? You have a choice to make. You can choose Quinn and me, or you can choose alcohol, but you don't get to have both. And I, I didn't do that. And it's not because I'm a doormat. It's because I truly believed I could save him also in air quotes. Um, And of course I didn't save him at all. He saved himself. February 1st, 2017, he went into the hospital with a nosebleed and he was gone for six and a half weeks, Mm. two weeks in the hospital and four and a half weeks at rehab. And he has been sober ever since because he did the work. And I'm so grateful that tenacity served me beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a long road to get to this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hear what you're saying about that. And and yet he he did that and there's learning on both on both sides. You've learned yes. a lot from that too. Yes. So and yet what I'm also hearing is that you've you've had a huge impact on a lot of people along the way. Yeah, I I probably have because I'm loud and forceful and and again, if you're in my sphere. You are in my sphere. I'm not exactly sure what you have to do to get out of my sphere because I've not quite ever looked at someone and said, I am removing you. I don't really remove people. Some people's position jockeys forward and back. Yeah. But but I don't really remove people. I am a pretty big believer in there's plenty of space in my raft. So come in and let's see what we can do together. Yeah, that's great. So all these years that you've been putting the pieces together. It's like, I have this image of you, you know, putting one foot in front of the other 
having your son and, you know, you know, sort of under the, 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 the title, the title of the movie is life doesn't always happen the way you plan on it. Right. And, and yet you, you went ahead and you, you said, okay, well, it's not the way I planned. So I'm going to set, I'm going to set a new scene. The new scene is part-time work, full-time parent. And you did that. And then the, um, the job comes up for the, for the um, arts partnership. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and tell people they have to hire me. And then you quadruple the resources of this organization. So I would say you've had, you've had an impact. And now we're here talking about what's next. What's next is becoming an internationally known speaker. I'm curious what you would like your impact to be with that. Is it, because my sense is that there's a lot of, there's a lot that you want to give. It's not just, I want to speak so that I can be heard and everyone knows who I am. I don't get that feeling from you. I get the feeling that, you know, and I've gotten to know you enough now to know that you, you have a, you, you're a very giving person. And so I'm curious with the next, you know, this, this sense of bigness of scale that you want to bring, there's a benefit to that. And so what, what kind of message or what kinds of things are you looking like? Start with my audience. What do you want to begin to spread across the land as a speaker? What I'm not asking you to give away any secrets, right now, <laughs> my trade but, secrets. I'm, but I'm curious, <laughs> you know, what, what kinds of messages are you hoping to, to get out there to people that you would want to take, you know, beyond beyond the Fargo community, beyond that part of the world? You know, I, when I started earnestly writing my blog, Extraordinary, Extraordinary, I mean, the, the title even, I think, is the, is the first lesson. So the, the subtitle is Intersecting Remarkable and So, So Ordinary. Sort of that, because that's the word, extraordinary and extraordinary. Love it. And, and we, I think, um, largely, if we are in positions where we have the privilege to stop and think about personal fulfillment, you know, if, if we're not just literally working our two minimum wage jobs to keep food on the table and a roof over our heads, then we are trying to navigate the push and pull of, of, how, of how amazing things are and how blah things are or bland or or how disappointed we are in in decisions or directions we've gone or or those kinds of things and and so for me it's really about how can I use my 40 almost 48 years on this earth and the lessons that I've learned by looking back and and thinking through the path to help other people find those places where they too can say, boy, that was a major disruption or that was a, that wasn't a um, slight turn left. That was like a off the cliff, down the mountain, crash the car. I'm stuck in the seatbelt. Now what moment? Mm -hmm. Um, 
because that is how that pregnancy felt to me. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you today that the 25 year old young man who remarkably, Tammy lives in Los Angeles, California. Yep. That's where he got his first job. Um, that young man is the single greatest thing I have ever or will ever produce. I could win 13 Oscars. I could blow Meryl Streep's uh, nomination record out of the water, and it will never come close to what I have learned and experienced because I got lucky to get pregnant. And I can say that today. Yeah. Um, and, and I could say it actually all along the way. Yeah. Because I realized pretty quickly what a gift he was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, it's about how can I help people? And I, when I first started, I thought I was just going to relate to women because so Mm. much of my stuff is very woman centric. Yeah. But it's been amazing how many men from all facets of the years of my life have reached out to me to say, you just don't know what this did for me. You don't know what that blog post reminded me of or how it helped me think through some things. And I think it's because I have a lot of um, sort of traditionally male qualities. I'm assertive. I'm pretty unapologetic. I'm happy to sort of just lay it out there and take it or leave it. I'm, I'm just, you know, so I, I think that's some of why I resonate with men. Um, but how can you look at those moments? How can you see the, the, the great periods of shame in your life? and get up and move on from them and actually look back and realize what a blessing it was. I, the years that Maz was drinking were terrible, not because he was violent or abusive or anything like that, but they were terrible years. They were really hard in a million ways. I would go through them again to get to where I am today. And he's only been sober for four years. So those those memories are still very fresh to me. It's not because I've put rose colored glasses on. Right. I haven't. It's right. because what we learned when he got sober has been so transformational mm. that it, this, the only way I could have gotten to where I am today is to yeah. have walked through the, the fire to get past it. Right. Right. I hear. And I want other people to get to that point in their lives too. We get one go, yeah. one go around. That's Even right. if you believe in reincarnation, you don't come back as yourself. Right. You don't take the same journey. Right. You get one right. time per journey. Right. I want people to, to be not just peaceful about it, but optimistic and proud of it. I'm so proud of what I've accomplished. Even the screw-ups, and there have been plenty of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. And I love the way you use metaphors to paint the picture. Um, it, it's, it's really vivid. Um, mm, thank you. Yeah. I'm a big fan of metaphor and your metaphors are fabulous. So I'm wondering how people can find you and how they can learn from you even now before you start to <laughs> take the stage again, because yeah. I can imagine that when we get out of this pandemic, which Still, I think we are, it's going to be a little while. We are, we are um, recording this actually Christmas week, 2020. Um, And this will air in early 2021. But um, 
people will still want to find you way past. I hope so. That makes me happy to think about that. I certainly hope they will. And I think they'll want to be reading your blogs and maybe finding out where you'll be speaking and, and come and listen to you or check you out on YouTube or wherever your speeches might be, your talking might, might show up. So where can they find you? So my blog is extraordinaryextraordinary.com. I never intended to make it the longest blog title ever, but extraordinary.com was taken. So that, you know, you'd sort of have to punt when someone else has got your word. Um, So extraordinaryextraordinary.com. My husband and I do this daily dose thing every morning at 8.30 p.m., 8.30 a.m. Central. Um, Okay. And that is on Daily Dose, Dr. Mary DD on Facebook, but I also put those on YouTube and then we send out a weekly newsletter. And they are, they are inspired around addiction, sobriety and all of that, but they are by no means only for people who are on that journey. Because what I have learned is that alcohol is, um, is not the goal, it's the symptom. So if you are someone who has some weird control or lack of control around food. If exercise dominates your life, if you shop and send things back, if you have, you know, if you are, um, whatever the the things in your life that you feel ashamed of, those are the equivalent to drinking. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of entry points to these conversations and they're quick. They're 15 minutes every day, five days a week. Um, so those can be found there. And then I have started doing these things called personal systems disruption weekend retreats and they're virtual. Um, and my hope is to do one a month in 2021. So the first one is happening January 1st through the third, but then I, I will, um, be posting about them. You can always find that information on my website, but they are a kind of six part over Friday night to Saturday, excuse me, Sunday, early afternoon series of not only kind of naming what you are dreaming about doing next and really getting articulate about it, but also looking at what you're afraid of and then coming up with a plan that gives you actual action items for 48 hours, 90 days, and three years so that you really leave not just feeling jazzed about having spent this time with these, this group of people, but ready to go. Um, so I've done, I've done one already and, uh, the, the feedback has been really, really positive. And so I'm looking forward to doing more of that. And because they're virtual, you can do them from anywhere on the planet, really. And, and are those, um, those weekends, are those small group, uh, do you limit? They are, they're, um, up to 12. So yes, they are quite small. So there's a, a sense of sort of safety and intimacy with those. Absolutely. And we, we start by really setting a safe stage, safe place, because I'm not a therapist. I don't pretend to be a therapist. I'm not interested in, um, you know, sort of making anyone think that I can work them through serious trauma. But we all know that our personal and professional lives often intersect. Mm -hmm. And so if that comes up, I want people to know that they are in a place where, again, we can't diagnose you or cure you, but you can safely express it. And then hopefully we can, we can get you to the place where you can actually get real help for that. Right. Right. 
Well, this has been really interesting and really informative. I encourage people to check out the show notes to get all the links and all the resources that we've talked about here today, which will all be available. Dana, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story so generously and your husband's story. (laughs) He's so kind about letting me just tout all this out. You know, the downside to being with someone like me is, boy, you got dirty laundry. Everybody's going to see it. So, but you know, I mean, only if you're married to me, not if you're, not if you're working with me, I promise. (laughs) Well, Tammy, thank you for having me on. I think your show is so great. I'd love that you are lifting people up. And I love that you're asking people to really go back and reflect because I feel like we're all trapped in whatever narrative we told ourselves at one point that may or may not still be true and may or may not still be serving us. So I really appreciate getting to be on and, and getting to know you more. Thank you. It's been wonderful. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dana DelVal. It was so interesting to speak with her to learn about her professional journey. What is your key takeaway from our interview? If you are interested in any of the resources or links mentioned in today's podcast, you can find them on the blog page of my website at www.tammygoolerlobe.com. Just look for episode 112. Are you anticipating your next professional move? Do you feel a little bit stuck? Get specialized group and individualized support, insights, and accountability from a brilliant mix of professional women in a safe, non-judgmental creative space. Join one of my small hybrid mastermind coaching groups starting on a rolling basis. You can learn more at https colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash navigating career change. If you were inspired by this episode with Dana, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you enjoying the podcast? I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find through my website at www.tammygoolerlobe.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the Apple podcast button and follow the instructions provided there. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's never too late or too impossible to increase your sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in your work and other meaningful activities. Let me know how it's going for you. And who knows, maybe you'll be my next interview on this podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Work From the Inside Out podcast. For more information, you can find us at www.workfromtheinsideout.com.